0: You're listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast with your host, Maggie Moggin.
1: Hi, small business owners. Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast, where we focus on creating brilliant breakthroughs for the small business owner. And FYI, this is also the name of the number one Amazon bestseller book for small business and entrepreneurship. The good news is you can find this book in paperback as well as ebook form. Just so you know which one it is on Amazon, type in Brilliant Breakthroughs for the small business owner, and our subtitle is Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity and finding peace in your business. So, I want to say hello, rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I'm the host for today. Also, the creator of that number one best selling annual business book series, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, and uh, sort of a, a number one best selling business author, along with the gent we're going to be introducing in a moment. I'm a master business coach by day and night. And I help small business owners transform their businesses to shine rather brightly. So today's conversation is with Clive Excess, a number one best, ooh, let me get this right, number one best-selling business author from the 2018 book in our series. And to clarify for everyone, that's the book with the emerald green cover on it. So I want to say, wow, we're really excited because Clive is here today to talk to us about your business's performance, especially about people. Um, So why don't we see what this brilliant practicing expert has to share with us today? Welcome Clive. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Maggie, that's all you got? That's all I've got. (laughs) Uh, And and I know why, because he's focused on where we're going next.
0: (laughs) I am. Uh, you, asked, you asked the last time to think of some things I wanted to discuss that I did not bring out in the, in the chapter. It's all management 101 in our text. And uh, some of the things we talked about the last time you and I discussed was the, the two business concepts. Actually, it's a management concept of MBWA. And then I asked you if you knew about the other MBWA. And I think you remembered the first one, MBWA. I think most people understand that one or recognize it. They've, they've, uh, they've addressed it at some point in their management careers. And that's, of course, management by walking around. Right. And it's, it's a great management tool. Remember, we talked about this the last time, too. All these tools that we read about and we practice, they're all great management tools, or they're not. <laughs> and it all depends on how we treat them and the respect we give them, and the, I guess, the tenacity we apply to them, because too often we apply things and then we give up because they don't work, and, and then if they get whatever that is, MBWA in this particular case, but it doesn't work for you once or twice, well then you give up on it, forgetting all the research that went into why it was such a great idea. Management by walking around is a great idea. You go and talk to people, you invest in people, you invest your time in the people that are working for you, that are working with you, and you find out about them personally. And there's a whole host of other research that talks about why that improves productivity when you find out about the person and not just their job. And we talked about, I think, that in one of our other sessions, the Jahari window. And maybe that's something we can talk about the next time we have a podcast. Ooh, but
1: I think that would is, be great.
0: Yeah, it addresses MBWA, management, by walking around. And as you go and talk to people, you find out about that. And you find out about what's going on in their personal lives. I always used to love that one, that, that dogmatic, don't bring your personal life to work. And don't take your work home with you. Well, how many of us in reality really do that? I mean, we all get, there's no way not to do that. I I have yet to find people that even well-intentioned people that that do that well. We all take our work home with us. We all bring our family lives, whatever's going on, to work. We're human beings. And as soon as management wakes up to that and addresses it, and it does become part of your day-to-day business life, then you can manage it better. So that's what management by walking around, I think, provides. It gives you an opportunity to learn about your people and understand a little bit more about what motivates them. That's uh, for all what we're going to talk about next <laughs> is okay, what motivates. Well,
1: hold on, hold on. Before we go anywhere, I want to No sl- no I'll go <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I want to slow this conversation down just a little bit. Because uh what you said is so practical, and I'm sure our listeners are going, yep, uh-huh, yeah, totally, I'm with you. But they're not h- absorbing it yet. Okay? okay. And and I think what you talk about when you say management by walking around, talk to people, invest your time in them, build the relationship because the research validates if. They feel valued, you didn't say this, but this is what I know you you would add if they feel yeah. valued, they're going to improve their productivity, and the business will become more profitable because of that
0: right they will be a better team. they will be a better team member
1: right it in and, and it's about being human in a workspace, right exactly yeah and okay. I live through too much of a management
0: style where don't bring your work home with you and don't bring your home back to work it doesn't work. It's it's not a realistic proposition.
1: It it I agree. It's unrealistic expectation because we're not in we're not AI. Exactly. And we have stuff and we all bring our stuff with us because it's our stuff and it shows up and um that impacts our mind and our emotions, which ultimately impacts our behavior and our productivity. And it can even impact the relationships that we have in the workspace.
0: And that, that addresses uh, one of those, uh, an issue that we'll talk about, I think, if we have time, uh, about what motivates people. What are the true motivators of, of, of people in the workforce? And that addresses, that goes back and addresses exactly one of those motivators. And it's a strong motivator okay. the ability, to, the relationship we have with our, our peers and our, our bosses.
1: Okay. So, Clive, accepting and honoring that we're humans and we're, we're doing this human thing while we're working. Is a key factor in creating a different work environment, right? Yes. Okay, but the only way that that relationship is going to happen is if we get up, out of our seats or out of our workspace, whatever it is, and we start mingling. What's my terminology? What's the term I use for you in those
0: classes? <laughs> Nothing
1: unless you get off your anatomy. It's your anatomy, yes, it is, and do things different. Yeah, right, and you even address that in the book. Get off okay. your anatomy. Yeah, right, and and I love that because sometimes we become too complacent and we just expect that everybody's just going to do what they're going to do, and they're all hunky dory, fine, and they're not. They're far from it.
0: That's right. Management by walking around gets you, a, gives you a feel for how things are. And then you know know who to let go, and and we'll talk about this in the next comment, but uh, the other MBWA, you will know who you can uh, motivate in different ways. Everyone gets motivated in different ways at different times, and that's your job as a manager, as a business owner, is to find out what's motivating people right now, what motivates him or her right now. Right. How do you know that without asking and without mingling and without talking and without finding? Truly being interested in them as an employee.
1: Exactly. Because you can't assess people appropriately if you're not in relationship with them. Exactly. And and you have no idea what their needs are until you're in relationship with them.
0: Or you can practice sloppy, lazy management and just pretend everybody's like you.
1: Oh, that would
0: not be good. (laughs) <laughs> that would not be good. That's the old IBM philosophy. Right. Uh, we used to hire an IBM. Got to be like me.
1: And it's ineffective. It is. It was a great concept in theory, but the application of it was not at all.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think I think we found that out. It's made it to a number of textbooks.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So that was management by walking around. But there's also another MBWA. Exactly. What's the other one?
0: Management by walking away. And wow. That addresses that addresses the next level. I think the next level of management. The next level of motivation. It it, it addresses It addresses mentorship. and and things of that nature but let's get back to mbwa management by walking away
1: okay what is that
0: that's one of the management styles i've always ascribed to i've always aspired to and that is i want to be able to trust my people enough where i can turn my backs and let them run with whatever that project is and that's management I remember I remember asking supervisors to when they would come to me with a problem, as we all know, supervisors and employees always come to you with problems. I would say, well, that well that that's interesting. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and they, I would have to train them first to understand that when I say, what are you going to do about it, that means I trust that they have the ability to do something about it. But I also trust that they have the knowledge to know if they can or can't, if it's above their head or not. And that means it's implicit that I also have that knowledge. That means I won't practice management by walking away unless I can. Because if I walk away and they don't have the skill or the expertise or the experience or the confidence to handle the project, then I've just set them up for failure. So I've got to make sure that I, again, that's why I say I aspired to that management principle. Doesn't always work, but that's, to me, that was like an ultimate goal for me to be able to say, management, I'm walking away. What are you going to do about it? Okay, go ahead and do it. Take care of it. Get back to me. Let me know how it works out. That way I I feel confident in them enough, and I show, I give them the responsibility and the respect to be able to handle a situation, and I know full well that I haven't abrogated my responsibility. Upper managers always maintain the responsibility, regardless of what goes on at lower levels. So you have to understand it. You can't just say, "Well, go ahead and do it," and then they not really care whether they fail. <laughs> you have to. You don't want them to fail. You want them to grow. Although. As an aside, sometimes you don't mind them failing if it's gonna be a growth situation and they're gonna learn from it. But again, as a manager, as a business owner, you have to weigh that factor in, can I afford them to fail? Do they have the personality? Do they have the, the, the does, is it gonna affect my business negatively? You know, Sometimes it does in a minimalistic way. And you say, yes, I can afford them to let Let them fail at this and learn from it. And other times you can't, and you have to let them know that. That's the trick. You have to let them know that I can't afford to let you fail. I want to. I want to be able to say, "Go ahead and run with this." This is really important. This is critical. This is mission critical, and I'm going to maybe hold your hand away a, a bit through this. I may need some more feedback. I may be micromanaging you more than I want to more than you deserve but in all honesty I can't let you do that so I'm going to walk you with walk through you with this and that's a that's really a that takes a lot of time and energy and effort as an, a manager to understand where you are in a relationship and that addresses management by walking around too you know you have, you get to know people you get to know how they're competent what their competence level is if they're not confident and failure is going to hurt them psychologically and or going to hurt the company then you minimize that you try to minimize that but other than that I used to love to say yeah go ahead and run with it let me know how it works out that that was always what I aspired to say
1: right there there's an empowerment with that but there are times where there needs to be um boundaries put around it is what you've been saying all along yes because again management by walking away is an excellent tool it's excellent it shows that
0: you trust your people and you give them responsibility and look he's let me handle it all and now I fail <laughs> so you have to you have to understand that it, it, it could be an excellent tool or not right and you are responsible for the or not part of it as well as, oh, good, thank you,
1: nice job, part of it. Right, so that's, that's the business leader's uh, discernment as to how far can this go, and will it be detrimental to the overall business performance or not, or is it just a setback to create an awareness and move in a new direction? And, and as
0: long as you're open, transparent, and you let people know what you're doing, why you're doing it, most people, are, most people are adults. They're working adults, right? Most people understand that. They can relate to that. But too often we do it in a vacuum, and then guess what? The person who either has a great success with it or, worse yet, fails with it, and, and, you, and they don't understand all those intricacies that you've gone through, those mental gyrations that you as a manager have gone through, if they don't understand it, going to fill in the blanks and we as humans always fill in the blanks with negative thoughts so you have to fill in the blanks for them right because we've all done that right when when we've been questioning what what the the hell's going on here we have a tendency we as human beings you me i think just about everybody has a tendency culturally to fill in with negative concepts you know oh he didn't trust me or he didn't he didn't hold my hand enough you know I, there's always some reason we can give to say we rationalize ourselves you know our own failures so you as a manager need to get a step above that and, and be able to walk people through all of that so they understand what's going on and when they when they fail they understand hey my boss is going to support me through this i could very well have failed and i did now what did i learn from it?
1: right right so Management by walking around, great practice. You, you really can't screw that one up. <laughs> not unless you don't listen. Right, you and don't not, listen. You
0: don't, and not unless you don't mean it, that that you're not in really, truly interested.
1: Okay, so being genuine and listening.
0: Exactly. Okay. Take notes. Take notes.
1: Take notes. Okay, good tip. Take right. notes.
0: We have and, to get back to them sooner or later.
1: <laughs> okay, and then the second MBWA is management by walking away, which is a great aspiration, and it involves more of us as the business leader to go ahead and make sure that we are truly aware of the um, the magnitude of what we're doing at that point. That's right. And- And making sure that it's the right opportunity, you know, minimize the risk so it's not impacting, as you said, I love that, mission control.
0: Mission
1: critical. I'm sorry, mission critical. Yes, I wrote it down and I still said it wrong. (laughs) Mission critical. (laughs) and, And creating a space for people to have a learning experience. Beautiful. That's right.
0: People, people want, number one motivational tool, according to Frederick Herzberg, that's one of the things, if we have time, we'll talk about, is achievement, a sense of achievement. Now, you just think about that. You, me, and just about everybody else I know. No, again, I always, in the book, I talked about never, ever use absolutes. And here, i to use an absolute, right? And this is one of the reasons why. But most people really like it when we have a sense of achievement. We want to do a good job. Right. And this this, uh, this addresses some of that. It also addresses trust issues and some of the other motivational factors.
1: So um, we only have like three more minutes to crack open a topic. But let's talk about a motivator.
0: Yeah. Well, the prime motivator is money. And as we talked about before, ha, ha, ha.
1: <laughs> <Because> culturally,
0: <laughs> culturally, we're inundated with that prime motivator being money. You know, show me the money. We got movies about it, and people talk about it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I went to give. In my last position, one of the things that we would do is it was a union shop, and we would like to give merit. We, we had a uh, kind of a backdoor merit system with a union. Contract where we gave like and usually our merit was 25 cents an hour, maybe 50 cents, and and sometimes we gave a dollar an hour. Just depends on you know depends on the situation. And I remember going in to talk to people and I'm giving them 25 cents an hour, and I, and I can't remember I forgot what that equated to every year, but it was it was substantial every year. But still, people would just laugh and, and look at you funny and say stick that 25 25 cents and forget that and they just don't understand it. I said, wait a minute, I'm giving you more money here. You know, there's so many stories about how money actually demotivates more than it motivates. And I think that's a blog for another time. But it really does, when you think about it, and I'll give you one example of my, myself, a, a prime example of me. I remember one of my first management roles And I was an assistant manager, and then they promoted me to assistant supervisor, and then they promoted me to supervisor. And I was waiting for this because I kind of took a lower, I took a cut in pay to get this job. Again, money not being the prime motivator for me. Right. I took pay to get the job, but I knew long term that it would eventually get me more money and more respect and more responsibility and recognition and all those things that I wanted, like most of us do. And sure enough, they came and said, oh, we're going to promote you, and we got you. And I remember the day, I was just feeling kind of down. It was a nice, sunny day, but I'm waiting for this promotion. They finally came through with it, 17.5%. And I walked around the floor. Oh, boy, my chest was puffed. My head was swelled. Boy, do they think highly of me, 17.5%. Finally, I'm making what I expected to be making. And you know what? That motivated me for six months because six months later I remember thinking they don't pay me enough to work. <laughs> that was a pretty big motivational tool. Seventeen and a half percent in those day, Back in those days, this was in the '70s, and uh, I was riding high for about six months. Now you think back at your last pay raise, and I use I would say this in classes. You know, classes of 20 students, working adults, and I'd ask them to think about their last pay raise and. How many how many of you did that motivate? Whatever that pay raise was? And you know, you get two hands go up, and the rest of them, no, it didn't motivate me at all. In fact, many of them it demotivated. Well, I'm worth more than this. And that doesn't even that doesn't even get to the fact that money is the least amount of what we have to give out, right? Lump money is the most limited, the most limited factor. And just about all the other things our research shows motivates us more than money. But yet our culture keeps demanding more and more money. And that's a critical thing for managers to overcome. To know the fact that it doesn't motivate like everyone thinks it does, the people that are asking for more money. So you have to be strong enough and knowledgeable enough to know, okay, you can ask for more, but I'm only gonna be giving you what I can afford to give you anyway. And then trust in the studies and trust in the fact that all these other things really motivate people more than money does and give them that. And eventually money in their minds will, you will change the culture. And you have to do that one department, one business at a time.
1: Okay. So next time in your next podcast, let's talk about the motivators. Okay, because I, I think the real
0: important thing for me, I, I that's one of the things I just keyed in on and all the all the classes that I had, like yours, and yes. all the teaching that I did like yours. Yes. I, I, I felt that was one of the strongest things I had to stress. Because it just when you think about it and you do the studies, it just makes so much common sense. You it don't does. have control over the money.
1: And I'm sitting here just with a big smile on my face because I feel like I'm sitting back in one of your classrooms hearing it. Uh, mm. Not for the first time, but getting really clear on it because it's, it's time for a refresher, right? It's always time yeah. for a refresher. So I want to thank you for that. We are going to uh, take this further in our next conversation. So I have good notes here as to where we'll pick up next time. Right. Yeah, and uh I'd love I'd love for you to keep going, but our time is tight today. So, listeners, this is how you can learn more and engage with number 1 best-selling business author Clive. Access start by reading chapter 3 in the book Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, volume 2. That's with the emerald green cover. And then go a step further and access on your mobile device um, our free app where it has everything about the book and how to get a hold of it and Clive. By going to the books app in your app store and type in brilliant biz book, all one word, brilliant biz book. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to do that is because we have all of our podcasts there. And if you like what you're hearing, you can go ahead and check out some of the previous podcasts that Clive has been so generous to, uh, dare I say, school us on. (laughs) But here's what's really neat is we have a feature that's called Ask an Expert on our app. And you can go ahead and find Clive's name, click on it, and type in your question. You can send him a question. And he'll respond back to you. So it's a pretty cool access point for you small business owners to be directly with Clive as well as the rest of our authoring team. And again, that's uh, at your app store, Brilliant Biz Book, all one word. Clive, I want to thank you today for your time and your wisdom sharing and getting getting that professor mode going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us? I miss it.
1: (laughs) We can tell. And and I'm so glad that we get to benefit from that. (laughs) So listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week.